Welcome to Food and Loathing, your weekly update on where and what to eat in the city that never sleeps. Although it does occasionally give you the stink eye if you show up towards the end of the night as the staff was preparing to head home to their neighborhood video poker bar. We'll get more on that later. <laughs> I am your host, Al Mancini, coming to you for this entire episode from Manzu Italian Oven and Bar on West Flamingo Road. Note the name change on that. We will be joined momentarily by the restaurant's chef and owner, Gio Morrow, who has some very strong opinions on those stink eyes I just mentioned, <laughs> as well as Chef Abby Bird of Gray's Kitchen, who may offer a slightly different perspective, that conversation, in about 15 minutes. For now, however, joining me, as always, is the Mozart of the mixdown, the Da Vinci of the vocal <laughs> tracks. I can, of course, only be speaking of the one and only Mr. Rich Johnson. You, you spend like an hour every week coming up with something like that. Uh, thank you, I guess. They come to me in my sleep, Rich. <laughs> You're in my dreams, <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, God. And with Rick Moonen once again traveling, I am excited to welcome a first-timer to the co-host spot, a woman I've been trying to get on this podcast for a while now. She's one of the newest food writers for offthestrip.com and its sister website, onthestrip.com. Perhaps you've read her articles on what to expect from Brian Howard's Half Bird, her rundown of Father's Day specials, or her trilogy of stories on local restaurant expansions, in which James Trees told her something a little different than what he told me about his plans on California <laughs> Avenue. So yes, she has scooped me on a story that I thought I had broken. That's why I love her. I can, of course, only be speaking about the one and the only Samantha Gemini Stevens. Gemini to her friends. That's hey, baby. Me. Hi, how, how are, are you? Hey, baby, okay? I don't hey, know. Hey, baby is wonderful. In a world. I don't you're know you're one of few that, people that are allowed to do you, that. Yes, I, I say that with love. I know you. With it love. will go in the file. <laughs> Let's say it with love. Yeah. Yes. Put that in things that they can trot out against That's me 10 right. years from now and cancel my career if I ever get a career. <laughs> how are you? I'm well. It's yeah, great. I'm well. Gemini. And it's so cool to have you writing about food here in Las Vegas. Thank you. Um, you have always just been, I'm not even sure how I met you. I probably through our mutual friend, Leanne, um, Good for Spooning, maybe. I, I f yes and no. I formally met you through Leanne, uh, Good for Spooning. And, uh, but before that, we had met a couple of times at various events. Um, you know, many, many moons ago, I met Jolene when she would bring the Sloppy Joe's truck out to Corey's Liquors in Henderson. And I lived right over there. And so I would walk over when she was there and go inside and buy some bottles of wine. And we would handle everything we had to handle on the truck. And I'm not saying I worked for her at all, but I had a moment here and there where I got to hop up and help and, and just really, you know, I was really inspired by her. So I really wanted to keep that friendship going. And so, um, you know, I, I credit her with a lot of, of what I do. Um, I still work with her. And um, yeah, I just started meeting all these great people. And, you know, years ago I was in the legal field and I decided I wanted to do something different with my life. And I wanted it to be something that I really enjoyed. And so it took me about 12 years, but here I am. And I know you came out of a community-based, like cooking classes, getting together with your friends to cook yeah. stuff and things that I know helped you through your personal life and a lot. You know, mm -hmm. I don't want to get too deep no, into okay. any, anything, but yeah. I know that, you know, you're just a lover of the entire culinary scene. Yeah. And, you know, you're, you're one of those people that it's great. I go out to, um, I go out to a restaurant and sometimes I don't even know you're there, like, because <laughs> you're in a different corner. But then, like, I notice all the chefs are flocking to a table and it's not mine. <laughs> and, you know, like, my, I get, I get to start, get all territorial, like, who the fuck's in here that they're paying attention to? It's not me. And um, then so is you. And I'm like, oh, Gemini's there here. Yay. Because you're very beloved by the chefs in this community. 
and I do think that having um, having you writing about food now on a professional basis on a, a great organization on the strip and off the strip.com have some great food writers so I'm super excited to have you over Thank there you. Yeah, and to read been, your it's stuff been really great um, I've had nothing but support um, you know, there's sometimes stuff that comes down the pike and, and they're also very open to all of us bringing in our ideas. And so it's really fun to know that I have made these relationships over the years and that, you know, I can use them in a way that's beneficial for everybody. It's not, you know, oh, I know this guy, so I'm going to get something out of it. It's, hey, this is what I want to do. And I want to talk about everything that you're working on, which is how I started talking to James about that expansion. <laughs> yeah. So, right. And, and getting more current information, which of course is fine. Like I've never played into this. No. Thing. Like, oh my God. God, like, who am I? We're not in competition. We're here to have a culinary conversation, Absolutely. right? And that's and and you bring that spirit to well, to you. this. So I, I totally love having you writing about food here in Las Vegas, thank and I'm you. thrilled to have you on the podcast. So as always, man, we start this show with a little rundown of our recent meals, at least the exciting or the interesting ones. Nobody wants to hear about the sloppy joes I cooked, um, <laughs> Gemini. But I will use Impossible for that because <laughs> it's just as good as the shitty supermarket ground beef. Yes. Um, but Gemini, as the newcomer to this group, let's start with you. Any good Las Vegas meals over the past week or so? Oh well, I haven't been here for a couple weeks. I just a got little back road trip, from, I, right? Yeah, I just got back from three weeks on the road. Um, we had the time available to us, and so you know, my my food in the past month has been California, Oregon, Washington State, things like that. Where well, did you? As well, a, Rich as a is like, I, yeah, <laughs> this is a food podcast because Rich spent so much time up in Oregon. We always have reports. So where'd you hit it up there? Um, yeah, so there's a fantastic wine bar in Astoria that I found uh, three years ago. Uh, called Brit Wine Bar, and yeah. um, Lisa and I became friends and swore we would keep in touch, and nobody ever does, but we did. And so when we realized we were taking this road trip, I contacted her. We went out. We spent a fantastic evening there, um, and then in Portland, I got to go to Le Pigeon. I was supposed to go there a few years ago. I couldn't stay for the dinner. I made everybody else stay. I had to leave. So this time was really nice to go. And, and uh, they remembered that I'd had a birthday recently. I mean, everybody there is just so lovely. And the food was great. Um, it was absolutely memorable. Um, but sticking to Vegas, because I do want to do that, um, we did, right before we left, we had the wine club dinner at Partage. Uh, and uh, did yeah. the whole tasting thing with the wines and the the special cocktails with the smoke. And it was just, I mean, everybody over there is super lovely. Um, and we went to Anima not not too much before that. So. And I feel like I talk about Anima on this show almost <laughs> as much as I talk about James Tree's It's hard not to, though. Because I just love it so much over there, yeah. yeah. Everything is really creative. Everything is is different. Uh, even Even the same dish that you love. Um, you know, they're, they're always going to do some sort of fun twist on it. They're super seasonal and I just, I have a great appreciation for that. Okay. So let's see if we can really be besties forever. Is that, um, <laughs> that eggplant parm, like a life changing experience? Oh my God. <laughs> I have turned so many people onto that and, and a friend of mine, um, ordered the green tartare on one of our visits and I hadn't had it yet. It is life changing. It is super fresh. It's crispy. It's chill. Um, crunchy, super well seasoned. Um, yeah, it's it's a great starter or even a palate cleanser. It's perfect. Awesome. Well, there's our <laughs> for Anima. Yeah. Um, Rich, what about you, my friend? Something other than fast food or just really good fast food? A little of both. Uh, a friend was in town over the weekend for a writer's conference, and so I, I wanted to go see those places uh, that we did a little drive-by on a few weeks ago at Palms. So we went to uh, Tim Ho Wan, the dim sum place that uh, uh, boasts dim sum to order. 
Well, mostly. You know, they're not mixing the shrimp and and uh, wrapping the wontons <laughs> right. to order, but they are cooking those pre-made bits to order, which yeah. means they all come out uh, super hot. Meaning they're fresher <laughs> than when they push them by on a car. Right. I think that's yes, what it, they're, they're excited yeah. about over there. So we had bows, we had shumai, spring rolls, wonton soup, a couple of other things I forget. All were very nice. One little service hiccup. My uh, dining companion wanted club soda, and the waiter professed to not really know what that was, although he did know it enough to try to upsell us on a bottle of sparkling water, <laughs> and we just settled for tap instead. Tell so, him it's a tap sparkling yeah, water. I wanted it comes to say that gun. I wanted I is. wanted a well, scotch and soda hold the scotch, but I I wasn't going to be that snarky. <laughs> uh, stayed in a lot last week. I made some beef stew over the weekend in my instant pot, very basic recipe. I'm sure anybody who cooks at home What's hanging around and what do I need to need to use? And that became a pasta sauce of half a can of crushed tomatoes, a couple of uh, sausages in the freezer, a red pepper, and a couple of onions that were in uh, sort of use or lose mode. Mm -hmm. Does that mean and they were growing like a really long green stalk out of the end? <laughs> That's all right. Well, they're starting to get a little soft and brown inside, so we had to sort of edit them along we well. Turn them into a kid's science project. And Joanna's been on a tear with bread. Uh, semolina is the new go-to. She made that. Uh, and then something she did this morning, bolted wheat, whole grain of wheat without, as she puts it, the big ass pieces of bran sifted out. <laughs> okay, and that was no big ass really brand. good, really good stuff. And uh, as I uh, left to go record today, there were six eggplants all sliced up, getting ready to go, to be roasted. And by the time I get home, there's going to be baba ganoush. Yes. So you're not taking a pizza home from Monza. I may do that, too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, my turn. Um, as I alluded to last week, I attended a media dinner at Beauty in Essex, which I consider, personally, I consider one of the sexiest restaurants in Las Vegas, also with a fun menu to complement the vibe. I've, you know, what's what's weirdo 50-some-year-old Al Mancini with his dumb hair think is sexy? Okay, I'll tell you. It's very glam rock, kind of 70s David Bowie, like, but yet still a little bit of that gutter Iggy Pop appeal, right? Right? I like, like that. So that, that's what that place feels like to me. You enter through a pawn shop and it feels like, yeah, you would go in and, um, you know, pawn your guitar to buy some heroin, but then you want to go hang out in a gorgeous room afterwards. Right? Like that's, that that's the definitely the feel of Beauty in Essex. <laughs> and I loved it. I had a fantastic time there. Um, they, they were trying out some new menu, not trying out. They were showing off some new menu items. Um, so we had some new stuff and some classics open up with a lot of the raw bar type stuff. Tuna pokey wonton tacos, some salmon ceviche. Yellowtail Agua Chile, all which you'd pretty much expect from them, do, done quite well. Steak Tartare on the Focaccia Toast um, was a new dish from their, their toasts menu because they have a full menu of toasts over there. That's with shoestring potatoes and some truffle oil. We did some brown butter scallops. We did some sesame crusted um, salmon, which was in a miso glaze, but it was served with these roasted mushrooms that and some Fresno chilies, but it was a very different kind of the earth meets sea appeal with mm. the mushrooms, which were very earthy on a seafood dish. So a little amazing. out of the ordinary there and i enjoyed it a lot of course shishito peppers we had some pasta we had some wellington we had some brussels sprouts some mac and cheese some donuts the chocolate peanut butter cake and i will i know we're this is going to be a long show i don't want to go too long but i gotta say beauty in essex love the restaurant i've said as many nice things as i can about it so far but they're one of those restaurants that fucked up a great dish by trying to make it more Instagram worthy once, oh, right? No. They used to have this beautiful peanut butter mud pie um, ice cream 
Sunday. And I know Chris Santos and Mark Marone, I believe, were the ones that developed it. It was awesome. It had some pretzels. It had some chocolate. I used to call it a rich man's chubby hubby. Um, <laughs> and it was just brilliant. And I loved it. And then I went in maybe about four or five years ago, before the pandemic, definitely. And then they had decided it wasn't getting enough hits on Instagram, I think. So they added pretzel, potato chips and sprinkles oh, and M&Ms yeah. and fucking sparkling things. And, <clears throat> and I was just like, ah, you guys, you kind of ruined it. Yeah. But it sounds like Farrell's ice cream parlor from the 70s. Oh, remember oh my God, yes. yes. I remember that. Wow, flashback, man. That's, I don't know if that's the acid or just you that's, speaking, that, but I had that's, flashback. That's the Portland in me speaking again because they came out of Portland. Oh, man. Um, but also, so this peanut butter cake came to the table. Check out my Instagram or check out the Food and Loathing Facebook page or anything like that. And it's a beautiful triple-layer cake, but it comes with a little scoop of ice cream next to it, and that is the same peanut butter ice cream. I can tell the minute I dug into oh, it yay. from that dessert that I used to love. So it's still living on in some way and that made me super happy i'm glad uh next up sue was craving teppanyaki so we decided to head over to kusa nori at resorts world i enjoyed that a lot um you know we did the teppanyaki she went with the triple play so we had some chicken we had some shrimp and we had some steak on her end i did a lobster the smaller of the two lobsters so we had everything that a tepping grill mm -hmm. could prepare it was excellent i was surprised they do a bit more of the fire and showmanship that some strip restaurants have done the the guy who was serving me actually told me he'd worked at nobu caesar's palace from the beginning and that they always did the fire shows over there i've always remembered nobu is not doing very much I of it don't remember and much of yeah it. so this was definitely higher on the knife tricks higher on the fire mm -hmm. that to me is great i don't want to go to i'm so pretentious i have to eat teppan but i want a teppan grill but i don't want any of the cheesy shit i, I mean, go just, to teppan for the cheesy shit yeah own it baby. <laughs> own it right benihana rules yeah. and um but Kusanori is excellent, extraordinary. We had some great dishes, and they started me off with some oysters with caviar on them. I mean, you know, great quality ingredient, all quality ingredient driven, and that's what was really important. Some snapper sashimi, um, Thai snapper actually served over some dry ice, so it was very beautiful and photogenic. What you'd expect in a place like that. Had a great time. Saturday we dropped by the Silver State Brewfest, connected with a bunch of my craft beer friends. I'm surprised I didn't see you there, Gemma. I yeah, we had a bunch of stuff going on this weekend. I was supposed to be there. Saw the Anna John. <laughs> Uh, they had gotten the timing wrong, so they'd had a few beers by the time I saw them. Oh, they no. showed up early. Um, they were having a good old time. Um, while, on the way home, by the way, we stopped at Ellis Island, grabbed some takeout from Via Focaccio. That was excellent. Love them, love them, love them. But I, while I was at this brew fest, came across this company, Desert Cane. It's a perump rum maker and they yeah. actually have they make quite a few varieties i mean they there was the basic crystal they did a lime and coconut a spiced an oak amber um that was made in i think with some whiskey casks yeah. they had a classic dark rum um they had a them apples jamaican java i mean citrus jalapeno which was really interesting for a rum with that mexican flavor but i bought well, i can't say i bought it because you're not allowed to sell yeah rum there. so i engaged <laughs> in a little discreet um bartering with them and was able to grab oh. a bottle of the dark for you guys yeah. i'll tell you i really enjoyed the spiced rum i thought it was a very elevated spiced rum mm -hmm. experience um and then there was another one that sue said tasted like christmas i can't remember which one this that was nice. but these were nice so i've just poured you guys a, a little yep. bit of a glass of this yeah. Let me know what you think this is great so I was making the uh, uh, snarky uh, comment saying, oh, they grow sugar cane in Pahrump. <laughs> and here on the back of the bottle, 
Yes, we for years have been growing our own sugar cane. <laughs> there you go, Mr. Smartass. I, am a, I, I feel humbled. There you go. And it's very nice. So it they're nice. nice. I want to do a rum episode. I want to see if I can get these desert cane people and then That'd maybe get awesome. um get the guy that runs um, Lost Spirits L- Distillery. I was going to say yeah, Lost Spirits. Yeah, that could make for good. But stay tuned for that. We're not going to Pahrump, by the way. Oh, no, no. Pahrump comes to us. Uh, yes. I mean, <laughs> unless, unless, yeah, I, do t- I do go out there every once in a while just to dine at the brothel because I Absolutely. like to tell people I ate at a brothel that day. Where'd you eat last night, Al? I went to the uh, brothel. I've had some great lunches at, at, what is it, Sherry's? I forget what it is. Uh, oh, yeah, Sherry's. Yeah, um, yeah it's, I, I enjoy going out there. I think it's Sherry's. I'm forgetting right now. Okay, other quickly, I went to Olive's. I tried their... Um, Tried their new brunch menu. I had a great Greek salad, one of the most photogenic Greek salads I've ever had. Some great sweet pull-apart bread, an egg sandwich. I did spaghetti pie, weird dish. So I'm really digging what they do there. Um, I'm thinking that it's it, I, it, it's a good brunch menu. And, you know, people always ask, what's olives? Olives is really Mediterranean in the true sense of Mediterranean. As Michael says it to me all the time, it's everywhere that they cook with olives. Like as if I'm oh. stupid for not knowing that, right? And, <laughs> but that means you've got Italian, you've got Greek, you've got Middle Eastern. It's all yeah. on the menu. It's very hearty. It's very rustic. Their brunch sticks very much to that rustic, hearty appeal that you would know. They do what they do best. They're not kind of dumbing it down so much to make it a brunchy brunch, casino brunch menu. And I like it for being smart that way. So I'm enjoying that. Cool. So coming up in the news, a fundraiser for Women on the Force, a barbecue Italian mashup, and a cheesy anniversary. But first, does walking into a restaurant 20 minutes before closing make you a dick? Or are the real dicks, the employees giving you the stink eye for trusting their posted hours? Or maybe nobody's a dick. We just need to communicate better. I don't really like that option, but get on probably with the it. truth. We'll hash it all out with our guests and our host, Manzu's Gio Morrow, as well as Gray's Kitchen's Abby Bird in just a minute. This is Food and Loathing. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here you are in Vegas, you're hungry, and the choices are endless. But do you really want to trust the crowd? You can trust Neon Feast. Restaurant recommendations from real food pros sharing where they send friends and family. All that knowledge is just a download away on the Neon Feast app. You want the strip, off strip, downtown, great views, great value? Find smart, informed restaurant recommendations on the Neon Feast app and neonfeast.com. Getting a little crowded up here in the loft at Manzu. I'm joined by a few chefs, which is always fun when the chefs come to your table. Joining Gemini and Rich and myself for this segment, we have our host for the day, Chef Gio. 
Giovanni Mara, the man who owns um, and operates not only Pizzeria Manzu, but also three old school pizza locations here in our valley. A man who was raised in the restaurant industry. So if anybody has any um, insight into how people feel working in restaurants long hours, Gio has um, been, of course, from Nora's Italian Cuisine, which is a landmark restaurant here in Las Vegas, which he grew up in um, all the way through to running several restaurants on his own and hosting us here for the day. That's my intro. Chef Gio, how are you? Thanks I'm for- doing great. Thank you. That was quite elaborate of an introduction. <laughs> I was truly impressive. Wow. Off the top of my head, that part's not even in my notes. I know. Man. I noticed. You were <laughs> staring right at me as you were saying it. I'm like, wow, flattered. Thank you. Now, let's see how bad I can mess up the next one. <laughs> Sitting next to him, we have Chef Abigail Bird. Is it Abby or Abigail? I go by Abby mostly, but either okay. is fine. Abby Bird, um, chef for probably about 15, 16 years now. As I recall, you um, were somebody doing something else that not quite as much fun when the last recession hit and decided to pursue your dreams, go to culinary school. You spent some time in the Wolfgang Puck organization where you worked with a good friend of mine, Eric Klein. Absolutely. Over there. And um, you are currently over at Gray's Plant Powered Kitchen which is one of this Valley's newest um, vegan plant-based restaurants, also a place that I just keep singeing on getting into. And it is no fault of anybody's but my own. First, it was car trouble when you had your, um, your what was it, your Vernal Equinox party, yes. I think. And then I couldn't make it to your summer solstice party because that was my anniversary as well. But um, I will get into your kitchen. I was there opening night. It looked like a great party going on. And I definitely am dying to try your food Welcome, Chef Abby. Thank you so much for having me. Did I miss anything about your background? I mean, you know, not any of the important things, right? Okay, cool. Well, (laughs) anything we need to plug. But, you know, I do want to talk a bit before we dig into this topic about what you're doing over there at Gray's. Because I have not been in for a full meal. I know that it is a vegan plant-based, but you seem to be more in the, if I'm reading it correctly, a bit more in the vein of you're cooking for everyone. You're just cooking plant-based food for everyone. It's not so much the cult of veganism as it is just a restaurant that happens not to use animal products. Am I right there? Right. We want to be completely accessible to people who are not plant-based and still be really great and really competitive in the plant-based community. Um, We don't use any products like Impossible Meat. We make our, excuse me, own grind in-house that we use for our burgers, our meatloaf, our sausage. Um, And working with Amelia Cooper has just been so inspirational. She is a powerhouse of creativity. Everything that is on our menu is something that you know, she has toiled over and loves to eat. And I just think it's really a great vibe, a great environment, really great food. Is that a new trend? I mean, you know, because I, I've made a lot about how Tal Ronan over at Crossroads Kitchen is not billing it as a plant-based restaurant. You'll never see those words anywhere on it. At least, you know, you definitely make it clear in your advertising. But yet, it seems to be that it's less of a, and I use this word uh, not in a negative way, but less ghettoized, right? Less um, less separate, the vegan world anymore. That It's more, more embracing. So is that the new trend in vegan dining? I don't know if it's the new trend everywhere, but I think definitely with us, we don't want to scare someone away who's never had vegan food. You know, like 
it do, you don't have to be vegan to enjoy this food. It's delicious for everyone, you know? Cool. Well, I do look forward to getting in there, and I promise we can't it wait will to have not you. be long. Please, um, yeah, I, I'll be over there soon. Okay, so let's get into the stuff that um, Gio started, but it was he, he noted a pet peeve <laughs> of mine, and then I decided to take it to Facebook, because when you want a nice, calm, civilized conversation, you always go to Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Although it was relatively um, civil, but okay, let me set the stage for you. Tell me if this sounds familiar. It's 9.15 and you are hungry. You look up a restaurant you want to try to see and you find out it closes at 10 o'clock. Problem is, it's about 20 minutes away. Now, you see, you're already doing that hungry math, mm-hmm. right? Inside your head. You're sitting there going, well, I'll be there well before 10 o'clock, but how are they going to react when I walk through the door at 9.35, maybe 9.45 if I don't hit the green lights? Worse yet, I head over. I arrive at 9.35 only to find the door locked. Restaurants that close early have long been a pet peeve of mine. Um, Of course, given all the challenges restaurants have faced over the past few years, I've been cutting everyone a lot of slack recently. Honestly, I'm getting a little tired of overlooking every misstep in a restaurant and having them use COVID supply chains, COVID staffing issues as a blanket excuse for any poor behavior on on part of the staff and management. After all, this is still the hospitality industry. Your job is still to help people have a good time when they choose to dine out. Whether Al Mancini or my industry friends understand the problem or not, customers have a right to a pleasant evening out if they choose to dine in your restaurant. So I feel like this may be the time where it's okay to start asking some questions. You know, don't be an asshole about it, but it's okay to maybe raise some issues that are annoying you. So when I saw Gio, a man who was raised in the hospitality industry, the owner of several great local restaurants, raised the topic of restaurant hours on social media. I saw it as an opportunity to discuss this with a kindred soul <laughs> who understands the challenges facing restaurants. Yeah. With that said, um, Gio is here. And before I go any further into the, um, you know, what we're talking about, I'm going to ask him to explain what drove him to post about this topic on Facebook. So the... the- the biggest issue for me is the confusion that is in the community for consumers and also young employees. I find it in my organization that the younger uh, generation doesn't really quite know what normal and what should be done. I had a one employee at one point in one of my places. We close at nine uh, at, at old school pizzerias, all three of them. And they were busy. And a guest walked in at 8.20. This young kid, good employee, well-meaning, loving heart, just beautiful soul. But he, he, looked at the, he looked at the tickets. He looked at the time we closed. And he said, well, I can't make the pizza for you because by the time it's out of the oven, it'll be after 9 o'clock and we close at 9. Mm-hmm. I was enraged, mm-hmm. absolutely enraged. Of course, I didn't show it. I'm a, I'm a better person in my 50s than I was <laughs> in my 20s. And I, 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 along with my director of operations and my managers, we kind of coached the kids and what the proper um, uh, etiquette is. But I find this more and more. And then I, I was venting to someone about it. And this person, who was who a consumer, and said, well, you know, if they close at 10, I'm not showing up after 9 o'clock. I'm just not doing it. And I'm thinking, well, why not? What does that do to... The business. I still have a full kitchen staff that I've got to pay. I have mm-hmm. servers that I've got to pay. If I say I close at 10, I close at 10. How do I make the numbers work if half of my potential guests mm-hmm. feel uncomfortable coming in because they don't feel welcome to me? Look, 
the, the, the restaurant business is, is, is an anomaly, in my opinion. It's one of the few businesses where you have production and service going on under one roof. So you're producing these wonderful, hopefully artwork, right, that people recognize as artwork, and you're also providing a service at the same time. And if the two don't work together in tangent, then we've missed the boat. If we just focus on selling a product and not focus on the hospitality, then, then we miss the boat. And to me, it's philosophical. is how do we serve the community? Hey, that, that person that came in at 820, they probably had a really long day, three or four screaming kids. All they want to do was feed their kids. They took the time to get in their car, come into my restaurant, order a pizza, and then we turn them away. To me, that is, that is sacrilegious to the industry. Mm -hmm. I just... I think we miss the boat when we forget the hospitality. And I, I mean, I, I have story after story, and you can cut, you know, chop me up, but let me tell you a few <laughs> other instances where I, there, there was a restaurant that I went to, and I will, you know, never mention any names, but I, they, they had just started out, and I would, I, I had a class that I was doing from six to eight o'clock. I would leave the class, and I would get all of my guys in the class and gals in the class go, hey, let's go have dinner. Mm -hmm. And I kind of made it a thing. And we showed up at about 8.20, 8.25. And it was a, you know, pretty fast place. And they closed at nine. Well, this went on and on. And I don't know what happened. But about a few months later, they did a last call at 8.50. At nine, at 8.55, they turned up the lights and the music off. And then yeah. by... 902 they were putting up the chairs and you know what you do that at a punk rock club where you hate your patrons because i've done that <laughs> and right I'm okay going, i don't understand i'm trying to bring you in business i'm trying to get people to get to know you because i really believe in what you're doing and it's the food was impeccable and you're I mean, you're literally kicking me out. It's not like I'm not in the business. It's not like you don't know I'm not in the business. It's not like I'm going to cost you extra money and keep your staff here. I'm going to get out of here as quick as humanly possible. We're not putting in an order at 9 o'clock, folks. It's like we're, we're there. But if you can't give me a Diet Coke refill at 9.05, <laughs> because, yeah. come on, we all know how long it takes to break down a kitchen. Those employees aren't out there at 9 o'clock. You at least have half hour worth of work, at least. And if it's a full sit-down restaurant, you're polishing glassware. You're do I mean, please. We, we, we no. all got So anyway, I... I, 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 I no, I feel you. And I'll tell you, like, first of all, one of the greatest chefs in Las Vegas who's ever been through Las Vegas was Gerald Chin. And I once gave Gerald Chin a bad review, bad write-up, because I showed up at his restaurant intending to review it up at Aliante. Drove all the way up to Aliante, and it, it was when it first opened. And it was a half hour before closing time and the doors were locked and they just said, well, it was slow, right? And I'm like, well, wait, there's a movie theater right over there. People plan their dinner for before movies, after movies. They're planning on when, when you're supposed to be open. This, this is people's night. So I lose my shit when that happens. Other than during COVID, where I cut everybody slack for everything. Yeah. But we brought this topic up on social and you're talking about even more when you go in and you get the stink eye. And there's never an excuse. Like, don't let somebody in the door. You know what? It's worse 
to let me in and then give me shit and make me feel uncomfortable for being there than to have locked the door, mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, what you're talking about. So we bring this up on social media. A lot of people saying all the things that Gio and I have just said. A few people, including some who chimed in just today, and I'll talk about what they said. But Abby, you were one of them, chef. And you said, well, let's talk about the other side, what it's like in the kitchen, how it feels from that angle. So please, before we start bad-mouthing people <laughs> and talking about how people suck and blah, I'm blah, blah, any more, no, Gio will never do that, but I will. And maybe Gemini will. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah. um, and I, I don't know moments. about Rich. But, you know, I'll be the first guy. When I'm pissed, I'm pissed, right? So before I get go off on my rant, tell me why I may be overreacting, why I may, may not be understanding certain things. So I think that definitely the points that you brought up, you know, if you're if a place closes at 9 and you're coming in at 8.20, mm -hmm. that's a reasonable amount of time to eat, Right. But there are a lot of people that will come in, and these are the people I'm talking about, at 8.55 and want to sit down and have, you know, this three-course meal. And I think that that's kind of an unrealistic expectation to have. And I also think that people have a tendency to forget sometimes that the people in the service industry are humans, right? Like, we have lives outside of that. We've been on all day all day, whether you're in the front of house or in the back of house. If you're in the back of house, you're in a constant state of like urgency. You're constantly under some sort of stress. And when your day is over, you want your day to be over. So I don't think it's necessarily a problem with people who come in and give themselves time to eat, but people who come in right before closing and have this expectation that they're going to get this five-star service when everyone's tired and wants to go home. I, I may chime in. Yes, please. Yeah, go ahead. Because I was about I, to know I was going yeah. to kind I've got of a few, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so here's, a, again, to me it's a point of clarity. Mm -hmm. When we say we're closing at 9 o'clock, what does that mean to the community? Bingo. That is the mm -hmm. key. Let's define some terms, right? Right. Because we don't say we close at nine, everybody get the hell out, right? No. no. I don't think anybody at this table would advocate that point. No. That is a late night bar mentality, right? Right. right. Two o'clock, last the call. law says, you know, and people forget there are sure. other states, there are last calls, right? Right. Like every other state. <laughs> every other state. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not yeah. Vegas. Yeah. We're, we're not. <laughs> right. So I, I do understand. Um, so I do understand this point. If we're a restaurant who typically offers a one to one and a quarter hour experience, someone comes in at 8.55, like you said, and wants a three-hour experience, then I can see where that, I would take exception to that. Okay? Right. But if someone comes in and expects your normal service or my normal service, we close at 10, they come in at 9.55 and they want their normal one to one and a quarter hour experience, which is what typically is here without entertainment, mm -hmm. then I am obliged to provide that to them. Now I could reasonably say, in my opinion, I could reasonably say, hey, listen, we're going to close the kitchen at 1020, so have your order in at 1020. We're not going to rush you. Stay as long as you want. But I'd like the orders in so you can start cleaning up and breaking down. I think that's a very polite thing yeah. to do. I think it's perfectly fair to ask right. the guests to do that. Something I've seen on some websites and maybe on the door of a couple places, close at 9, 
last seating 815 yes. or 810 and or 820. that's all you need to do yeah. give me a last seating time right but, but my issue is my issue with that is and i sorry i'm really argumentative on this point i think i have a lot of pent-up issues with that but but again so we last seating is at 9 30 we close at 10 okay so what happens at 10 that right. is different than 9 30 I mean, it's a hard thing to define, right? I don't know. No, it's not. You close at 10. You close at 10. It's, it's done. I mean, but what does it mean, close at 10? Does that mean everybody get out? Or does no, that mean, you know? No, it means I will take the, I will seat you at 10. And when I grew up in this business, and I'm, I'm old, I get that. <laughs> but heck, someone walked in at 10, 10, and we sat them, and we served them because we, they were a blessing that they were coming to our restaurant. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing that happened after I had my meltdown at Old School Pizzeria at the 820, <laughs> and it was a full on meltdown. My wife had to say, you are not allowed to speak to anybody for 24 <laughs> hours about this country. I mean, I was in full <laughs> uh, nuclear reactor kind of situation there. But the, the next week, someone called at 10.05 at Old School on Blue Diamond. And they picked up the phone. They said, listen, I know it's after close. Is there any way you can make me pizza? And they must have thought that it was me making a prank call or something <laughs> because they immediately said, yes, of course, what would you like, right? So through the fear of God into them, man. They made, they made the pizza. The guy walked in. He was in a uh, suit. He had a loosened tie. And the GM and the director of operation were there. And the, he walked in, and his eyes were all puffed up with tears. And... He walked in and he looked at them. And he said, you have no idea what this means to me and my kids. We're going through a lot right now. And he picked up his pizza and he left. And to me, mm. that is the height of what we do. That is what we do. We, we serve the community. Yeah. And, and I mean, that, I, I, I mean, they may have been making it up, but I, I'm going to keep it as true. Yeah, I actually looked at the ticket and it was rung up at 10.05. And I, oh. I mean, 9.05. I was very, very happy. But, and, and they made it a point to say, especially the younger kid, he's, uh, I believe he's 22 or 23 up there. He made it a point to say, you know, I understood at that moment what you meant about serving the community and what we do. We, we, we do, don't, don't, don't just serve a function. We actually have a purpose in what we do and how do we provide food. And I think that that's, I think that's really important. Could a lot of the, the, the problems with people with that ironclad nine were closed or 815 and we're not seating or anything be a function of chain restaurants that are so big and so huge that not even the general manager really has any psychic sense of ownership of of his place uh, and and where it has been come down from on high over and over again that process beats service yeah i i think that that i think efficiency in those environments beats service i i agree with that but i worked for a few years uh with brinker international and brinker had at the time a hot Italian concept called macaroni grill. Oh, we won't talk about those days. Around. Dude, there were days when I would go to a macaroni and grill and, if uh, I was in different towns. It was fine, man. And, you know. Uh, so that fine. I, I, you know, do you know I was a busser there? Really? I, oh yeah, right out of college, I would sing and bus table. Wow. Yeah, right, right here on Sahara. It no longer exists. I but, wonder if you served me in there because uh, I ate there when I first moved to town about well, 2001, 2002. I, I was uh, very loud when I sang. I don't know if you've noticed so. Uh, but the, the, that never was a case in any of the Brinker. We, if when when I eventually went into management, I was there 
three years, I believe, something like that. But I eventually went on to, on to management. And if, if anybody found that a manager closed, they, the closing time was 10 and 11, closed at right at 10 or closed at 11 and didn't let a guest in a few minutes after, they would be terminated immediately. That was just their policy mm -hmm. because, again, of hospitality. Yeah. And then the servers would, you know, but I, I just, I mean, part of it, and I don't, you know, we, we all work really, really hard, as you said. And, yeah, they're in there 12 hours slaving away, and it's, it's, it's very, very difficult work. But I find this, that really for the back of the house, they're like, I don't want to do the work twice. I don't want to clean and then dirty it up and clean it again. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really hard to kind of manage that, again, when half of your consumer just feels that they can't come in because it's an right. inconvenience. So you can't really time it. But the thing I, I take exception to is those servers. Sorry, thank you for be, letting me ba uh, retake. Thank you for letting me express this, this opinion. Is if they don't have three or four tables, then it's not worth, quote, unquote, their time. Mm -hmm. And that, to me, is a shame. Because right. that one guest, you actually have a real possibility of making a connection mm -hmm. yeah. and, and, and really engaging your guests at a level that you can't do when you have seven tables going on at once. So. I'd, like to, I'd like to make two points, if I can remember. I'm keeping my head because there's a lot to digest I know, here. right? <laughs> no, number one, first of all, most of my friends, people that I love, work in the industry that you, you folks work in. So I have much empathy for how hard their jobs are. But it is a job and it is the hospitality industry, and your job is to make people happy. Everyone at this table, I'm willing to bet, has walked into a post office or a DMV five minutes before closing and then stood on a line for an hour and a fucking half and expected them to serve you. They don't Absolutely. go, oh, well, you're coming in DMV. And trust me, those people have shitty ass jobs, mm -hmm. okay? Like, they're being <laughs> oh, cursed yeah. at in multiple languages yep. all day long. <laughs> and they don't boot your ass out the door no, because they, they want to go up. home. Right? They tell you when you walk up, you have to be in line by X time of day. And yeah. as long as you are, then yeah, that's until the you are served, that is the It's deal. almost the best time to go to the DMV because they're in a hurry to get home. <laughs> right. <laughs> so move quicker. why, if you're asking me to put myself in the shoes of the people who have had long days, why do you not put yourself in the shoes of those people when you walk into DMV or post office five minutes before closing? Because you know that they're expected to serve you regardless. And the other thing is, when things happen at a restaurant where I do in fact feel empathy for the servers and I know that something that is making my meal less pleasant is you know, tough on the servers, they're reacting to bad situation, okay, I can have empathy for the server, but now fuck the manager who scheduled them that way, okay? <laughs> like I'm still mad at the establishment in some way or another. If you're not staffing right, if you're not telling people how much time, if you're not saying, don't make your plans on a weekend, assume you could be here up to an hour after a stated closing time, schedule people to come in later so people won't have to go into overtime, all that kind of stuff strikes me that it should be good management. I've never managed a restaurant, so feel free to tell me why I'm wrong there. <laughs> but would you guys all agree that it's not the norm for a guest to come in five minutes before closing? I think because you've, as, as Gio says, because you've given them this, not you personally, because <laughs> the, the industry you. has given people the stink eyes so many times yeah. that you have that already trained people that they're going to be treated poorly. But I do not know if, as Gio says, if that's good for the industry as a whole. It I don't is. think it is. But the thing that I wanted to point out, circling back to what you said a little bit earlier, is if someone walks in at 8.55 or even 9 o'clock and that's what time we close, 
I'm still going to treat that person the exact same way as I would anyone else. But me personally, because it's not the norm, right? Mm -hmm. I'm scheduling for, you know, maybe my cooks to get out by this amount of time, latest 10 or something, you know? And if someone comes in and they say like, we just want to hang out, we want to eat. I'm not going to put that on my staff. If I'm making that choice that I want to take care of these guests and I want to give them a great experience, that's what it is about. I agree with you. Connecting with people. That's why you get into this industry is because you love to prepare food for people. It makes you happy and brings so you joy. I, I guess I'm, 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 I'm lost here. Because <laughs> first of all, we've confused the, 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 the guests and then we, we feel like heroes because we're sending them home because they have a life and all that. And I, I get it. I, I have a life too, right? I'd love to be home with my kids at a reasonable time. However, what is it that is so pressing that 15 minutes or half hour is going to kill them to sit there and take care of the people that pay all of our bills. All of us are employed by these folks that walk through the door. They're where the money comes from. I don't pay them. And if you're a restaurant employee who is making that argument, not you, Jeff, <laughs> but if you're a restaurant employee that's making that argument, then how do you feel about the next time I write an untrue review about your thing? Because you know what? Fact-checking was getting fucking late, and I was tired, and I had a date with my wife, and I had a deadline in the morning. You know what? I still stay home, and I miss my dinner with my wife so that I could do my fact-checking. My job's not that much fun all the time either. Right. You know what I mean? I don't think I'm trying to say that someone has something better to do than stay and serve the guests. Mm -hmm. You know, people may have a second job they have to go to right. people have you know it's those types of circumstances i'm always personally happy to stay until whatever time to make mm -hmm. sure that everyone gets good service but i'm not going to expect that you know beyond a reasonable amount of my staff right now you you have a, a small graze graze is a small yes. restaurant and it, um Perhaps I'm making too many assumptions because it's a plant-based restaurant. But I, in my opinion, or in my, my experiences, my observations, plant-based restaurants tend to have a more... Um, they, they know their customers a lot better. It seems to be much more community-based, similar to what you have here at Monza, where you know all your people, right? So you may have a more general expectation and it may happen more rare at a place like that, right? Like, you know what your customers are used to and your customers know you and they know maybe I'm not going to walk in that late. And you've already kind of said that, well, if they come in, you're going to make them feel welcome. Regardless, you're just going to kind of roll your eyes behind, you know, in the kitchen, not where they could see it. And, and I think that's fair. Like, I understand being frustrated with your job. I understand, you know, I, I see all these complaints on um, servers, boards on Facebook and, you know, restaurant things, things we hate about customers, right? And I'm like, that's fine that, you know, bitch amongst your fellow employees. But when that starts getting out to the public, that's when it becomes toxic to the entire idea of what a hospitality experience is Absolutely. supposed to be about. So that's one thing I was going to say earlier is, you know, we talk about how we've sort of trained people not to show up after nine if, if we close at 10. Um, having worked in the industry and, and still being you know, still working with a lot of people who are doing this on a daily basis. One of the things that you, you hear a lot is complaints about the customers and everybody's talking about how, you know, oh, they had to stay later, they had to do this. And, and so that gets out. And, and, you know, whether you've ever worked in the industry or not, I, I challenge you to find a cartoon or a, a chat board or something somewhere that isn't denigrating the customers for wanting to come in and have a late meal or how bad a server's life is. And so people don't go because they're kind of scared away from it. We, we have trained them not to show up. 
And I, I love that, that you guys think differently and you want to help people and you want to make it your personal experience to make sure they have a good experience. But that's not what people are arguing about. There, there are a few great people out there that do that. But the truth is, not everybody does. Um, September, last September, um, was our anniversary. Mm -hmm. And we went to a new restaurant downtown. And they had almost no staff. And this was not just because it was COVID. I get all of the staffing things. It was because it was late. But they let my husband make a reservation. <laughs> and they looked at us like, oh, you showed up. <laughs> and they sat us and uh, started cleaning up around us, turning lights on. Uh, nobody was staffed at the bar. So if we did order something from the bar, it was going to take 20 minutes because it had to be done outside of the restaurant. Um, just all of these different things. And so the normal experience is not what you guys are trying to do. And that's what people were talking about. And the um, fact you're telling me that they accepted a reservation. Yeah. I mean, like I mean, that <laughs> brings it to a right. completely and That's where I have an that's issue. That's how extreme it gets, yeah. right? We had a reservation. We walked in and we were immediately not wanted. Uh, I feel like I come from a, a different planet right now in my perspective because mm -hmm. my expectation is to inspire the staff to understand that it's a blessing no matter how late they come to the business mm -hmm. and change the mentality because I, you said it's okay to roll your eyes behind the, I, no, <laughs> I don't want that. I don't want people bitching about my cut, my guests. I, I just, it, it, it drives me nuts. It's like, this is what we're here to do. If you have an issue with serving the public then perhaps this isn't the right career for, for you. you. And, and I would if, also say, if I may, just because we're running short on time, uh, if, man, I feel like restaurant employees get the worst of it because they read all these obnoxious things about Yelp and things that are unfair and untrue about them on Yelp. And then it's almost, we're at a race to the bottom with like, you know, because then they decide they're going to go online and post. Mm -hmm. they, everybody loves to write an article. I'm a, I'm a waiter, and these are all the things that make you suck as a customer, oh, yeah. right? Like, and seriously, okay, fine. Like, I get it. None of us like our jobs some days, but it's the hospitality industry. I'm going to bang that into the wall all the time. You, you need to make us feel hospitable, but you guys have been both extremely hospitable here. I'm going to let Chef Abby, I'm going to let you get a last word in here <laughs> if it's okay. Well, I think I'm more in agreement with Chef Gio than he seems to think. I... <laughs> you know, personally will always, you know, make sure that I go above and beyond. I just think we slightly differ in having this massive expectation for our staff. Of course, do you want that? Do you want everyone to want to put that same energy in? Sure. Should it be the rule or the law? Maybe not. You know, mm -hmm. people are essentially trading their time for money when they're working and hopefully you get to really enjoy what you're doing and really love it and really embrace it. Sometimes you might not feel that way. And I think that's okay to be angry sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. I just, again, I feel that I love this industry. I love the people who are in it. I understand that they get frustrated by things. I just don't want it to carry over to the idea that a, a night out at a restaurant is not considered, you know, geese, look, everybody's not geese of wa, but geese of wa once said to me, when you walk into my restaurant, it's my job to make sure you don't have another care in the world or another thing to think about while you're here. If you need somebody to go get you a cigarette kind of thing, like, you know, mm -hmm. between courses deal. Now, you're paying geese of wa prices. You deserve a much higher <laughs> level. But there is something about that idea that 
the staff's problems should not become the customer's problems while they're in the restaurant. I'm going to leave it at that. I'll take the hate mail on this one. <laughs> We're going to be back with some news. Thank you all for your time right now. Thank you. This is Food and Loathing. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Before we get into the news, a quick follow-up to what we were just saying you know, we, I, I gave a little bit of crap to employees who give you the stink eye and all this, but let's make it clear. If you are going in late, whether they're nice, well, I mean, they should be nice to you, and I yeah. want them to be, but let's make yeah, sure we tip people well. Let's make sure we yes. understand that it is inconvenient for them. I don't like it when they make you feel like you're inconveniencing them, yeah. but I do want you going in with the frame of mind that, yeah, man, you're, you're there a little late, throw, you know, add an extra 5% or mm-hmm. an extra 10% on what you'd normally, you know, whatever, just, just yeah. bump, bump it up a little bit. So I just did want to say that, but, you know, because we do love the people that work in this industry, and I want them to make lots and lots of money. To the uh, much uh, richer friends I dined with a couple of weeks ago, and they saw how much I was putting down for my fourth of the menu, I said, come on, you cheap bastard. Put yeah. in a little more. Good in. For you me. can afford it more than I can. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay, time for the news now, officially. And I need to start with some sad and really shocking news yeah. about a colleague, Greg Thilmont, who um, has died This was a huge loss to everyone who loves the local restaurant scene. Greg was one of the food writers at the Review Journal for much of the last year. He also co-authored the book Eating Las Vegas with John Curtis and Mitchell Wilburn for several editions. In both of those instances, I had personal, very selfish reasons for congratulating him on landing the gigs. I was genuinely happy to learn that projects that I had loved and worked with were in his hands. He was an accomplished food writer, a true fan of Las Vegas, and generally a good guy. Uh, what We never worked together directly, uh, but I was always happy to see him at events or at restaurants. He was one of the good guys in this business. He was motivated by the love of the beat he covered rather than ego or other selfish concerns. He truly seemed to enjoy supporting good restaurants, good chefs, and good people. I don't have any confirmed details on his passing or any memorials that are planned. I will share whatever I learn as soon as I learn it. If anyone knows how I or how anyone could be of assistance in any memorials, fundraisers, any form of support for his family, his friends, the people he loved, please just let me know. I will do what I can and I will spread the word. He will very definitely be missed. Gemini, did you know, Greg? I, I was privileged. Uh, I'm going to use that word um, to meet him a couple of times. And I I won't say I knew him, but uh, I always had a good time when he was around. Um, I loved listening to him talk about things. And, you know, you mentioned passion and love for Las Vegas. And if anybody embodied it, he was he was one of them for sure. Cool. Um, So next, we've got a couple of events this Sunday that you need to know about. And the first one being Soul Belly's Bruce Coleman and team joined forces with Connecticut's Chris Sexton of Hoodoo Brown and local favorite uh, Karis Kawana. And Karis of Karis Sweets for a night of Italian flavors married with barbecue techniques and good times. So you can enjoy this Italian Sunday supper. Two in the afternoon. Dishes include a smorked. A, a smork. <laughs> smork. See? Smork it. it's, it's cutting edge stuff right there. <laughs> We're inventing not only new techniques, but new words. A smoked 
pork belly porchetta, a semolina baked pasta with Sunday gravy and mozzarella, tiramisu cheesecake. Trumer Pilsner will be on site pouring perfectly paired beers. Adam Rella, a.k.a. Pretty Done, hand-painting glasses for purchases on site. And if that's not enough for you this Sunday, Chinglish Cantonese Wine Bar is hosting a beer garden to benefit the women of Metro and the Vegas Fire and Rescue Charitable Association. I spoke with um, Chinglish owner Ken Heck about that. It's our second annual Chinglish Beer Garden where we're pulling all the tables out, we're pulling the regular menu out, and we're closing down the restaurant from 5 to 9 p.m. on July 24th. We're bringing in beer vendors, bourbon vendors, and canned cocktail vendors. And we're setting them up all around the restaurant. Chinglish is offering small bites included for the entire evening, all different uh, bite-sized you know, single dumplings here, half an egg roll there, chow mein cups, things like this. But for $75, all you can drink, all you can eat for four hours, and all of the proceeds go to the benefit of the LVMPD uh, Foundation, Women of Metro specifically, and to Vegas Fire and Rescue Charitable Foundation. And the reason we picked those two charities is the Women of Metro um, is, is this beautiful initiative to get more women onto the police force, but also as they're on the police force to give them more opportunities and more training as they're in a very male-dominated industry and might be otherwise extremely challenged. Um, research has shown and experience has shown that when female officers are involved, even if there's only one officer, there's a much lower incidence of, of gun violence. And so we're very supportive of that. We're supportive of the police normally, but we're also supportive of women uh, being involved in Metro. Vegas Fire and Rescue Charitable Foundation, they spend most of their time and, and money trying to recruit more and more fire uh, firefighters. Uh, the existing fire department is doing a terrific job. There's just not enough new people becoming firefighters. And so that's something that the Charitable Foundation is very much working for. And, and at Chinglish, we're, we're up in the neighborhoods. We specifically didn't um, accept any of the leases on the strip. We're in the neighborhoods, we're part of the local community and the local culture. And so giving back for us is not just part of our family culture, but it's, it's part of the restaurant's culture. And tickets for that are $75 in advance and $95 at the door. They include unlimited drinks and snacks. You can purchase tickets at chinglish.events slash beer. Um, you love this place. I know that. I love Chinglish a lot. I think yeah. it's a really cool restaurant. I love it. I walk there. I live <laughs> near there. <laughs> it would be more impressive if you said I walk there and I live Miles away. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's too hot for that. Uh, I love the patio. Um, we've had nothing but great service over there. The staff is really friendly. The food is great. Um, and, you know, we can take the dog, too. So it's, you know. Wow. It's excellent. Yeah. Um, also, happy anniversary to Diana Breyer, who is Yay! celebrating yeah. two years Woo! as the owner of Valley Cheese and Wine. They'll be celebrating with a little shindig. It's a ticketed event on Wednesday, July 27th, starting at 4 p.m. Ticket will get you bottomless bubbles, bottomless cheese, 
bottomless cheese. I don't know. I'm getting a weird mental image. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Bottomless cheese. I'm going to call the health department on that. <laughs> Karaoke, a raffle, and all that party jazz. Plus, every bottle of wine. So basically, you also are able to buy a bottle of wine to enjoy there if the bubbles are not enough for you. And that'll be 10% off. Um, a special birthday celebration as well. Co-owners Burgess Breer. Burgess Breyer, excuse yes. me, Diana's, yeah, okay, sorry, Burgess Breyer is turning 72 that day. Um, so that birthday celebration for her may also be in the works. Tickets are $30 and available on the Valley Cheese and Wine website. I just got back from speaking to Diana about her experience over the past two years, and here's what she had to say. This has been a really, really fun two years. I think actually acquiring a business during the middle of like a lockdown actually provided us with a really unique opportunity because I didn't have a business model that I was itching to get back to. Um, we actually just asked our customers what they wanted from us and sort of shaped our business model that way. And it's been a lot of fun. It's been a wild ride. So Burgess is Diana's dad's so will be celebrating his birthday. Yeah, I know. So. I think I saw her her mom yeah. today. And I if you've never done karaoke with weird. Diana in Valley Cheese and Wine, um, her birthday Ooh. celebration uh, was nothing less than epic. And uh, it's a lot of fun. So if anybody gets a chance to go to this party, you've got to get down there. Okay, I hope to be there. And on Wednesday night, our friend Jeff Weiss is throwing a very special Spanish steak dinner over at Valencian Gold. He told me a bit about that. $245, and that's a ticket for two people. So divide by two, that's your... You know, it's a pretty good deal because you're getting this full menu of multi-courses. You have a, we're going to put really nice Spanish charcuterie in our house-baked bread on the table to start. You get a couple of uh, little salad courses, a melon salad and a tomato salad. Both are really good right now. The, the, the product's coming in is right from the farm that we use. Um, the steak course is a one kilogram. We call it a chuleton, which is this giant uh, bone-in ribeye. That's a Wagyu steak. Um three different sides with that there's some really dope like sherry mushrooms and the the standard spanish uh, piquillo peppers that we do alongside the steak and then uh, you're getting two desserts you're getting uh, we're actually doing we're doing our, our bass cheesecake because that's like if i if i don't put that on the menu if i don't put that on something people yell at me and then the second one i really want i miss i miss a dessert from my childhood called mississippi mud pie which is just i think one of the most underrated desserts in american culinary diaspora it's typically chocolate and and some sort of brownie and i had it with coffee ice cream so we actually made coffee ice cream with it it's so good so it's this really great little dinner that we like throwing together uh you go to secretburger.com you go to that website and you'll see the little uh the link for getting the tickets and that's that's it a tax and tip are included it's one 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 shop one pop one drop come in and uh, have a good time also, I should mention um, our friend Chef Abby just told us that Gray's Kitchen is pulling out new menu items, rolling out new menu items on the 25th of this month. Yes. So yeah. if you haven't, if you're like me and you have yet to be into a dinner for Gray's, I don't know, maybe go on the 24th and then again on the 25th so you can compare and contrast. Yeah, I right? love this. That's All the things. Yeah, that's the way we do it. <laughs> We're ballers, man. Oh, man. <laughs> thanks to Gemini for co-hosting, and thanks to all of our guests, especially Gio Morrow and Abigail Bird. Tell a friend about Food and Loathing. Spread the word on social media. Just search Food and Loathing. If you have a question or comment, reach out directly. Info at foodandloathing.vegas. And if you haven't done it yet, download, of course, the Neon Feast app. Use it to find your next dining destination. Whatever you need, whatever you want, whatever you desire. It's at Neon Feast. And if you're a more about the laptop than the phone, head to neonfeast.com. 
And, of course, if my voice is just not enough for you, you really, really need to see me and see what's going on with that hair. You can see me on the CW Las Vegas every other Wednesday morning at approximately 8.15 a.m. And catch Al now and then all weekend, all week long. It's the Neon Feast update on The Vibe, 99.7 in Las Vegas, 98.1 in the high desert, and 98.9 on the river. And when we want to read Samantha Gemini Stevens' work... We go to offthestrip.com and onthestrip.com. And uh, if you want to look at my social media and kind of see what we've got going on, I'll share that stuff as well. And anything else I'm involved with, with like Secret Burger and Vegas Test Kitchen, it's Wishbone and Vine. Wishbone and Vine. It's at Wishbone and Vine. At Wishbone and Vine. At Wishbone and Vine. With producer Rich Johnson, Samantha Gemini Stevens, I am Al Mancini. Stay hungry. Stay hungry.